Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. We wanted to uh, have that hymn played because it's, uh, what's it called, The Greatest Commands, I believe. And what it is, it's a uh, very beautiful hymn based on um, 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, as we all, you know, we hear it's called the love chapter. But that hymn is based on that. And it has all the different parts of singing, uh, you know, uh, alto, bass, uh, tenor, and that sort, starting on each verse. And it's all it's doing is talking about the attributes of love, you see. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll try to get that. Um, singing that's difficult unless you have a good-sized group, okay? Um, I mean, you could just sing the, the verses, but it sounds so much better when uh, you have the, uh, the different parts. So we're looking at the, another letter, uh, to the letter to the assembly, of course, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. Um, it's pretty much 13 verses. It, it says something. Uh, you've probably sat and heard someone read it before out. Um, various times 
You know, it, it seems that many believe that this passage here, chapter 13 as we call it, in the Corinthian letter is, is known as the love chapter. A lot of folks might assume that it was inserted into this teaching on the spiritual gifts, which it has been, but it's not inserted. It's part of the teaching. That's the difference. But there it is. It seems to be inserted there just that, and so that preachers can have some useful text for things like weddings and funerals and other gatherings. That's where, that's where we hear this, this passage read and, and spoken about because of the issue of love. You know, it's very poetic in its delivery of love, but there's a lot more to it than that. Um, because the idea there of the, the love, just talking about love is, is uh, necessary, but it really is apart from the apostles' intended use. Um, the love was to, was to qualify and, and to make clear about these gifts and how they were administrated, given, and how they were to be used. And I think that's very important to the subject at hand. The spirituals, as I call it, that's the way, the way the Greek has it listed. The spirituals, we call it spiritual gifts, given to the brethren in the first century A.D. We know that because of the, how the Bible lays it out. Now, this chapter does speak of love, but love is the Greek word here, agape, as we say it in our English vernacular. It's the highest form of love. And we'll talk a little about that later. But, it, but not of itself, but how it is key to understanding the source of the gifts given and how that without this love, this agape love, the possessors of these gifts that came from above are rendered pretty much useless for the well-being of those that, are, that have these gifts. They're useless to them without the idea of them possessing the agape love to do this work. It also affects the assembly in part, but many times the work they do or the message they give, um, the, the prophecy or, or the word of knowledge or the uh, communication with the language or the tongues is beneficial to those that are there. But without love, we're going to find it's a problem for the person. We're going to be able to learn much about love and much about the gifts if we look into this chapter the way we should be looking into it. I got a, an old book at home, a commentary written by um, J.W. McGarvey, who was a preacher of, the, of, of, our, brother, of our brotherhood um, many years ago. Actually, he was a preacher even during the Civil War, but he lived into the... Uh, 20th century and had a, had a Bible college that he taught preachers. But anyway, he said of this chapter, chapter 13, that it has been admired by and throughout all the ages. 
But, unfortunately, it has been practiced by nuns. Now, that's, that's pretty weighty. Uh, he's saying he doesn't find evidence of it being practiced in the way that it's given. In this chapter, Paul shows that love is superior to all the extraordinary gifts or the charismatic gifts, if you will, both by reason of its inherent excellency, that is love, and its perpetuity. Love, that is agape, surpasses all other spiritual manifestations. So we can look at the idea of love as being another it's a spiritual gift in a sense, isn't it? Because it was given, we see it demonstrated in heaven. We see it demonstrated by the Lord Jesus Christ here on earth as he went about his ministry and went to the cross to, uh, to deal with the sin problem of mankind. Now we're going to look at the text. Um, I have it broken down into uh, sections here that uh, we can, I think, get the real gist of it. And the first section is the idea without love, we are nothing. Um, the trouble with this is when we hear it outside of a real discussion of, of the words, it, it's, it seems very general. And yet it also seems very it just kind of takes everything into account. When you think of the word love, what do you think? That's the question you need to start with. And then find out what the Bible uses, how the Bible uses the word love. So the first three verses, the apostle writes, and remember this is just a continuation of what was being talked about in, in chapter 12. Talking about these Spiritual gifts and how they are, are used amongst the, the church in the early days. And I keep saying in the early days because I believe these things have passed away, but more on that later. And it begins, if with the tongues of men and of angels I speak and have not love, I have become brass sounding or a cymbal tinkling. And if I have prophecy and know all the secrets and all the knowledge, and if I have all the faith so as to remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. Verse 3, And if I give away to feed others all my goods, and if I give up my body that I may be burned and have not love, I am profited nothing. I am profited. Remember that. The person that's doing this that has not love is not profited. So what do we, what do we see here? It looks like without love, these gifts are just noise. Even if we're burnt up because of it, we're nothing 
You know, in 1611, when the committee met to put together the King James Bible, this passage, um, starting with verse 1, this passage was disputed over the word love. Now, there's two words that, there's only one Greek word here for this word that we call love. Uh, it's, it's agape. Uh, and there are many other Greek words, different spelling in the Greek language for the word love. There's, I think in Bollinger's, there's um, 13 or 14 of them, at least. And, and some are nouns, and then most are verb. But, Unfortunately, in the English, we just use love as love. And we let everybody figure out what we're talking about. <laughs> Bollinger's has, has it laid out. There was a debate on the word love. Should we use the word charity? Have you ever word, read the word charity in, in your Bibles? Uh, our King James and some of the older versions. Or is the word, should we put the word love? That was the debate. Well, they knew, they knew the history of this word. They understood it. Now, unfortunately, the word charity, even though I like it, the word charity denotes a different word for love. Charity denotes the idea of philanthropic love, which before the writing of the New Testament was the highest form of love in the Greek language. You see, we, we consider, when we heard the word charity, don't we usually think about somebody giving something to somebody else? That's the first thing we think of, isn't it? But you see, that's not, that's not agape love. That's not the description of agape. So he, here's the idea on the word love or charity. So uh, the, King, the King James Version, they use charity. They like the idea of charity. Uh, not because of the charitable nature of it, but they thought that was the proper word. But the reformers and some of the others used the word love because they were being more scholarly as far as the Greek goes. Now listen to this, this description of the word that we're talking about here today. Love, agape. A word not found in the profane writers nor in Philo and Josephus, nor in Acts, Mark, and James. It is unknown to writers outside of the New Testament. You see, this word was first used in the writing of the Bible by the Spirit of God. The Greek language did not have this word. It was added at this time because there was a a more a higher form of love that was shown on the cross was shown from heaven see this is very this is very important for for christianity christianity has redefined the whole concept of love we have a new model and it's not the rich fella feeding a poor one at one time that was the highest form a man that had all the wealth 
would feed somebody out here or a group of people that he didn't have to feed. He did it because he was a good person. That, that, that's love. That's philanthropic. He felt that those people had a right to have something to eat so they could live. He was right. That was justice. This love is different. Here's what this, this love is. Agape denotes the love which springs from adoration and veneration and which chooses its object with decision of will and, devoted, and devotes a self-denying and compassionate devotion to it. This is, this is the love that we see demonstrated when someone does something for a person in love, in agape love, that is the best thing or the very thing that person needs at the time. Uh, it may not be what that person thinks they need, but it's exactly what they need. And later on in their life, they, they might say, you know, that was the best thing that ever happened to me, even though I didn't think so. You have a child that wants to run out in the street because they see something shiny in the middle of the road, but the traffic's out there. You run after the child in agape and remove them from danger. Or you discipline a child because you know if you don't discipline the child, the child will grow up to be un out of control and useless to himself or anyone else. That's a, that's a part of agape love, both, both the, the blessings and discipline that are truly the love that God shows as demonstrated towards man from heaven and through his son, Jesus Christ. And we find this used as a noun many times and as a verb many times. Charity's got the same idea. But remember, the idea of philanthropic love was the highest Greek word of which the Bible was written in before agape was added. You see, the Bible's inspired. This is a word given from heaven to the writers of the Bible. I think that's incredible. And that happened in, you know, in uh, after the after the day of Pentecost when the uh, writers of the Bible were writing, the Spirit was, was giving this word. Now, the high calling of agape, love is now going to be shown to us. If, if we didn't understand it from the Greek idea, then we, need, we can see it from the uh, practical look at it. This is what agape love is. And it's not what we find in other forms of love many times or what people say they have love this way or that. Many times they fall down in this because it's not agape love. Verse 4 through just the first part of verse 8. This is agape love. The love, the love, not just love, but some of our Bibles don't have the word the, the definite article in front here, but it should be. The love is long-suffering. 
These are attributes of agape love. It is kind. The love doth not envy. The love doth not vault itself, is not puffed up, doth not act unseemly, doth not seek its own things, is not provoked, doth not impute evil, rejoiceth not over the unrighteousness, and rejoiceth with the truth. All things it beareth, all in all it believeth, all it hopeth, all it endureth. By the way, those are the verses of that song I was talking about, those, those attributes there. Bearing, believing, hoping, enduring. The love doth never fail. Have you ever seen love fail in your lifetime? between people or, or circumstances. Sometimes we see the idea where it was supposed to be a loving situation, it's not any longer. Or You see, that's, that's not agape love. That's not the love that Christians are called to. Or it wouldn't fail. See, this, this love never fails. It never fails. Now, friends, the Bible says that agape love never fails. If that's not true, then none of the Bible's true. But the Bible is true, so that's true also. That's why we can think very highly of this love. Remember, the Greek, the, the, the Greek uh, starts with the love in verse 4. And, of course, it's omitted many of our Bibles, but... In the English, love is love. We paint it all with a big brush. And we are to sort that out according to our own in, in, uh, interpretation or understanding of the situation. We might get it wrong under those conditions. That's not how the Greek language works. That's not how the Bible was written. And it's a very, very good thing that we can know the truth on this subject. It is very unwise to read God's word and interpret everything with your own understanding. Find out what the, what the words mean. That's one of the goals that we have here in this assembly. The love is without end, and in this form, agape never fails. Now, friends, what can we compare with that in this world? Is there anything that compares with that? No. We have various forms of agape love. Of course, or various forms of love, rather, in the English, um, or even in the Greek. Agape being the highest love. The philanthropic love is the love of man, that he receive his full rights as a man and as a human being. That's what philanthropic means. When someone's a philanthropist, he is, he is supporting society and people. He's trying to have them receive the things that they deserve for the work they've done and, and various things. That's what a, uh, uh, that sort of a person does or, or that sort of a group does. That's another kind of love. Then there's brotherly love. That's a different love. It's a different spelling, different 
word, different terminology. We find brotherly love in the, in the fellowship, of course, or in families. There's the love of, of uh, husbands and wives. There's the love of bonds of friendship that we have with various people. You know, there's one Greek word that, de- that shows the, uh, in the Septuagint that, de- that defines the love that uh, David had for Jonathan, the son of Saul. He had an admiration because Jonathan was a, an honest, wonderful person that saw that, that David was God's man and that relationship, that's a, that was, that's a separate Greek word for that relationship. And on it goes. There's 14 or, or, or more different ideas uh, for the idea of love. So I hope you, you go away from here, you'll, rem- you'll remember this about the, the word love. Uh, when, when you're studying the Bible, uh, it's nice to have a way when you run across that word love, well, I wonder what love that is. I wonder what word that really is. Sometimes the context makes it clear, um, you know, especially when we're dealing with uh, the love that God had for his son and that sort of thing. We can we understand that love. It has to be agape love, right? Um, so just think about that because that's kind of, the tendency here of this chapter, but you see, these gifts were accompanied by this sort of love to make them effective or helpful, especially to the person that was involved in in, um, in, in performing the work. The next section talks about, and we probably won't complete this today, talks about the perfect, when the perfect is come. And this is 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 8 through 12. I'll read it to you, and we can start talking about it. But as the verse says, love doth never fail, and whether there be prophecies, they shall become useless, whether tongues, they shall cease, whether knowledge, it shall become useless, for in part we know, and in part we prophesy. And when that which is perfect may come, then that which is in part shall become useless. On through 12. When I was a babe, as a babe I was speaking, as a babe I was thinking, as a babe I was reasoning, and when I have become a man, I have made useless the things of the babe. For we see now through a mirror obscurely, and then face to face, now I know in part, and then I shall fully know, as also I was known. I'll stop there and introduce you to this idea of the, the perfect. You notice how in, in verse 8, we're talking about things becoming useless. Prophecies are useless. Well, the Bible's full of all sorts of prophecies. There's a time then 
when they become useless, right? Tongues are, they'll cease. Won't need them. Knowledge, that is a word of knowledge, basically, I think, it will become useless because in part we know and in part we prophesy. They don't, they didn't have all the information yet. So when we read this, these are the, these are the spiritual gifts we're talking about, some of them. Prophecy, tongues, and, and knowledge, and there were others. The idea is when the perfect is come, then many of these gifts from above, the spirituals, are going to pass away. Why? Because they'll no longer be necessary, not, not out of punishment or for some other reason, but because they'll be no longer needed. They're useless. Useless means there's no more meaning for them to be done. Doesn't mean prophecies are bad. Doesn't mean that for some reason uh, everything came to a conclusion. No, it means that they were not necessary anymore. When we read a prophecy and then we find the fulfillment, do we need to read the prophecy again? Not really. So the idea of prophecy we need to understand. Yeah, the question then that we won't answer today, but we'll pick up next week, is this. Why will this happen? And when will this happen? Well, the why is already defined here in verse 9. In that day, they knew in part. That day, their day. Not, not our day, their day. They knew in part. But when the perfect come, that which is in part will become useless. And, you know, we can make all sorts of practical uh, illustrations on this, you know. If, you've, if you're trying to assemble something and you have half the instructions, uh, it's not too, I mean, you're, you're, pretty, you're pretty good on halfway, right? Got it down. You need all of it, though. But when you get it all, you know, I usually don't keep those instructions, do you? When I got it all assembled, when I'm all done, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of, I don't need those instructions anymore. And if somebody sent me another set in the mail, I wouldn't have any use for them. That's a practical look at it, I think. But do you hear what the apostle said? It's not me saying this about the gifts becoming useless and going away. The apostle said it. I read it just as you heard it and read it. But I know that it's true. I know that what he's saying is true. The Greek word here rendered for perfect is teleon, as I would say it, which means the definition of that word is it has other things to make it full. It's uh, completed, full-grown, mature. That's what the word means in the understanding of the Greek word there. So when the mature comes, when the full-grown something comes, 
then these things will pass away and no longer be needed. Now many, many people have tried to insert here in this teaching the idea of Jesus himself. The second coming as it's known. Only thing is, he's not mentioned here and there, there is no language, there's no Greek words, there's no grammar that shows or even implies that this is a person or that it's uh, Jesus himself. But it's, it's a singular object as it's referring to in the Greek. A singular, it's an object, it's full-grown, mature, and I believe the when, to cover the when, and we'll deal with this more next, next time, is that when the completed revelation of God's Word. See, God's Word is a revelation. And within it, we find the completeness of that revelation. When it came into the world and when it was present in the world, that at that point, if you have all that God has said and needs to say and has said that uh, when this comes, things that, such as prophecies and, and all these other gifts that are no longer necessary uh, will become useless, then you have to understand that's true. When did it happen? Well, we know that the gospel was preached unto all the world by A.D. 60. Not only that, uh, the, the word of God was completed um, probably in A.D. 64 to 65, no, no longer, because I've got an ancient book from the second century, uh, the New Testament, that dates the, the writing of Revelation from John the Apostle at, during the term or during the reign of Nero, 54 to 68 A.D., so if you're thinking the Revelation's hanging out there where it's always put in 1996 or something like that, A.D., I, I, I don't accept it. Rev, the, work, the, the writing of Revelation was needed in the church then when they needed it at that time period in A.D. 60s so they could prepare themselves for the coming of what would happen from A.D. 66 to 70. And this is what we'll get into next week. Because we need to know the why and we need to know the when. And when we have that, we can move on. And the Bible teaches us. Um, in fact, I want to mark that so I don't forget. Not that I'm likely to, but I don't want to. We've had a lot of information today. And I hope it hasn't been too tedious. But I don't know how to do this. It gets a little tedious, I know. But you know, words mean things. And the words of God mean a lot more than just words in general. But all words have a meaning. In context, in what the word actually means. And if we don't know what the word that we just heard meant, we don't have a clue as to what's happening. With that, I will... I will... Uh, Put my words aside for this day and 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.